This morning, as, uh, as you heard in the video announcements, we're starting a series called Prophets and Prophecy. And, uh, you know, uh, for some people, when you talk about prophets and prophecy, they start doing cartwheels. They get really excited about it. And for some people, when you talk about prophets and prophecy, they, uh, they get kind of scared. Uh, whenever, whenever you hear prophets and prophecy, what comes to your mind? You know, well, it depends where you're at, right? And so, um, you know, from, for many of the subject of prophets and prophecy, it conjures up frightening images of doom and gloom. How many of you, that's, that's been kind of your experience, you know? Uh, you, you, you know, you think about the images that the scripture talks about, uh, you know, images of fireballs raining down from heaven, mountains crashing into the sea, sky turning deep, blood red, and, and all these things. So for some people, it's a scary, it's a scary subject. For others, um, the subject of prophets and prophecy seems kind of crazy and radical. Because uh, whenever you read the prophets, when you read the, the prophetic books in the Bible, uh, you, you, you see some bizarre things. You know, like the prophets, they were pretty, they were pretty uh, uh, outrageous people. In fact, the Bible tells us that Isaiah stripped off his clothes and walked around naked. Uh, Hosea married a prostitute. Jonah got a swallowed by a whale. Ezekiel ate a scroll. John the Baptist seemed like a hermit and his diet was locusts and wild honey. That's pretty radical, isn't it? John the Revelator had crazy visions of beasts, seals, bows, dragons, and stars falling to the earth, entire cities being destroyed. That, that's, that's, that's pretty radical. And then there are those who are fanatical, or not fanatical, but fanatical. There you go. Fanatical. They're fanatical about prophets and prophecies, and, and that's all they ever want to talk about or focus on. You ever met anybody like that? And they seem to be so caught up in the end times that uh, they could care less about what's going on today. And, and uh, you know, you talk about anything, and it always ends up on prophets and prophecy or end times. And then there are those who want to avoid the subject and conversation altogether because um, they've, they hear about prophets and prophecy as doom and gloom messages and about the world coming to an end. And, uh, you know, I, I, it seemed like I heard more of that after I became a Christian than before I became a Christian. And, uh, and um, you know, how many of you have witnessed false prophets? The Bible says there's false prophets. I remember whenever I first got saved, it wasn't long after I got saved that uh, they started saying that Jesus is coming back in 88. How many of you were around in those? In, in 88, he's coming back. In fact, a guy wrote a whole book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 88. And I was thinking, no, Lord, I'm not married yet. Hold on. Hold on. I want to get married first before you come back. And then, of course, he, you know, he wrote the book and he sold copies in 1988, came and left, and Jesus didn't return. I mean, you know, there's false prophets out there. And so some people like those people are crazy. I don't want to fool with that. And some try to avoid the subject and the conversation altogether because they under, they struggle with understanding all the meaning of the, the symbols, the seals. I mean, that's, that's kind of hairy stuff to try to wrap your brain around. And so when you read that in the Bible, you're just like, oh man, I don't even, I don't have a clue what all that means. So I'm just going to stay away from that. There's a lot of Christians that never wrote, never read the last book of the Bible because it's just like, it's too much for them. And they're, they're, uh, they're, they want to learn about it, though. 
They're interested. How many of you like that? You're like, I don't know much about it, but I want to learn about it. And so you might be like that today, and, and, I, and hopefully you are. But, you know, I, I read a stat recently. A recent survey showed that in America that uh, 91 million evangelicals, which is a large majority of them, had never heard one message on the subject of prophets or Bible prophecy. And when I read that stat, I was thinking, you know, I can't remember the last time I preached a message on prophets or prophecy. And that's kind of how this whole thing came about. But, you know, a third, almost a third of the Bible is on prophecy, prophets and prophets. So you think about it, you have to take a third of your Bible out to avoid prophets or prophecy. And, and here's what we must remember concerning prophets and prophecy. God uses prophets and prophecy not to confuse us, to scare us, or to impress us. I mean, you know, God's not trying to impress us, but rather to help us and to comfort us by proving that God really does exist and that he does have a perfect plan for our life. How many of you know that? In fact, Proverbs 29, 18, you're going to be familiar with this verse, but it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You know, some, some translations say, where there is no prophecy or no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. I like the Amplified. The Amplified says, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. So God uses prophets and he uses prophecy to reveal to us the redemptive revelation plan of God for man. And so we got to we got to dig into it, right? And so, you know, it's prophets and prophecy. You know, the question is, is that relevant to us today? Is prophets or prophecy relevant to you and I today? Well, the, the answer is absolutely. Absolutely. And so I heard someone say that Prophets and prophecy is either a playground for fanatics or green pastors for disciples. Well, I think God wants it to be green pastors for the disciples. Amen. And so now as we begin the series today, I want to talk about or try to answer three questions. What is a prophet of God? What is biblical prophecy? And why are prophets and prophecy so important to us today? Now, for some of you, this might be very elementary, but you know, as I was sitting down to prepare this, I thought, you know, if a per, if there's a person here that's never been in church today, I, I wanted to make it simple enough that all of us could understand it. Amen. And, and I'm pretty simple. So you got to keep it simple for me. In fact, I learned more about the Bible when I taught children's church than I did in church on Sunday morning. Not that brother Francis was a bad teacher, but I needed it to be simplified. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? So what is a prophet of God? In a general sense, a prophet is one who has been called and gifted by God to speak on his behalf. How many of you know God calls prophets into the ministry? The Greek definition of a prophet is one who is called and gifted by God that speaks forth a message for God. And so another way to say it is that it's God, a prophet is God's mouthpiece. Another, another definition of prophet is they are seers, one who sees in the spiritual realm through visions, dreams, and divine insight. And God used many prophets throughout history to reveal his redemptive plan to man. 
Whenever you go back and you read the Bible, and as you look at how God revealed himself to humanity, he used prophets to reveal his plan. In fact, there are more than 133 named prophets in the Bible, including 16 of them, which were women. But the first named prophet in the Bible was Abraham. In fact, when King Amalek took Abraham's wife, Sarah, to be his wife, God stopped him. Remember that? God stopped Amalek and encouraged him to return Abraham's wife to him. And God identified Abraham. He said, Amalek, give that man his wife back. That's a prophet. In Genesis 27, it says, now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet and he will pray for you and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all yours will die. That's a word right there. God called Abraham a prophet. Now, here's a little teaching point right here. Prophets are are not men and women who are called by man. I can't say you're a prophet. In fact, neither can you. They're not self-appointed. You know, you might have uh, you might have been around somewhere where somebody gives you a card and says, "I'm a prophet." Well, anytime somebody tells me that they're a prophet, a red flag goes up because prophets are not self-appointed. They're God-appointed. They're God-called, and they're God-gifted. Amen. And if we got to tell somebody we're a prophet, then we got some more work to do. Come on, I'm preaching right now. Now, so Isaiah, so Isaiah was an example. You know, the seers have spiritual revelation and they can see things in great detail that, that would happen in the future. They're a seer. The prophet Isaiah, for example, operated in both, uh, there's two teaching roles of a prophet. There is, uh, are two different roles or functions. There's the teaching role. And then there's the, the revealing role. And the, the teaching role, would, they would declare God's truth concerning current situations or contemporary issues. And they would speak God's heart and will about current situations. And then their revealing role, they would often see into the spirit realm and understand details about future events. So they could see what's happening now and have a word, but they could also see down the road. They, they, could, they could see the future. And so the prophet Isaiah, for example, he operated in both the teaching role as well as the revealing or the revelatory role. In in Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah preached boldly about the corruption of the day. And this is what he said in Isaiah 1 and 4. Oh, what a sinful nation they are, loaded down with a burden of guilt. They are evil people, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. Isaiah was speaking for God. He was speaking the truth about how God felt about what was going on at the time. How many of you know God has a, God has feelings about what's going on in the world today? He has an idea of whether it's right or wrong, right? And so here in chapter one, Isaiah was operating in the teaching role. And, and you know, one of the, uh, it just occurred to me, do we have any prophets today in today's day? I remember, I, I can't remember the year, but remember when the stock market crashed in New York City. You know, he's, he's, in the, he's in heaven now. He's in glory. But David Wilkerson, you, anybody heard of David Wilkerson? David Wilkerson, he would spend a lot of time in the presence of God. And he woke up one morning, was in prayer, and God spoke to him and said, the, the stock market is going to crash. He got up and he told his wife, he said, I'm going down to, he lived in New York City, had a church in New York City. He said, I'm going down to Wall Street. The stock market is going to crash. He got there just in time to see the stock market crash. Y'all believe this stuff? 
How many of you know God speaks to man? Amen. But Isaiah 25, Isaiah received and delivered a grand vision of the future of Israel. In Isaiah 25, 6, in Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. Here, Isaiah is operating in the revelatory or the revealed role. And through God's revelation given to Isaiah, Isaiah could see future things in great detail concerning the land of Israel as well as the Jewish people. And and many of the prophetic words that came forth in, in Old Testament times, they've already been fulfilled. And many that have already been fulfilled. God's prophets were also instrumental in establishing and equipping the local church. In Ephesians 2.20, it says, Together we are His house, built on the foundation of apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ Himself. Now I want you to notice what, what it says there. It says that the church was built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. So, How did fallen man know how to establish the greatest institution that the world has ever seen? The church of God. How did that happen? The Bible says it's through the ministry of the holy prophets and the apostles that the foundation was laid. It's through their gifting. It's through the function of the the calling and the anointing that was upon them that we learn what to do and establish the local church. The church as we know it today was established through the foundation of the message of the prophets. God's prophets are God's gift to the local church. Ephesians 4.11 says this, Now these are the gifts of Christ given gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. God gave gifts to the church. What are those gifts? They are listed right there. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why were God's chosen prophets given as a gift to the local church? Uh, Paul says in Ephesians, It was to equip God's people for his work and to help them to be built up and to become mature so the church could be strong and the church could be healthy and mature. Amen. So are prophets relevant to the church today? Yes. Yes, they're relevant today. Prophets are very important. So listen, God's prophets are not to be feared or viewed as some sort of crazy, radical, fanatical individuals. Rather, God's prophets are to be viewed as God's chosen vessels, gifted and called by God himself, called to fulfill an important role in the kingdom and in the body of Christ. Amen? Now, I don't know if you got anything out of that. I did. Because after experiencing the fanatical crazies that call themselves prophets, you tend to want to stiff arm all of that. But hey, folks, we need the prophetic voice in the church of God. Amen. So I want to encourage you to open up your heart. The Bible says don't despise prophecy. It's a cornerstone in the church. Amen. 
Now let's try to answer the second question we mentioned earlier. What is biblical prophecy? Prophecy is a divine message inspired by the Holy Spirit and given to a prophetic messenger. So in other words, it's the message. Listen what 2 Peter 1.20 says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and spoke from God. So you could see prophecies came as a result of God's divine spirit moving on their hearts and their minds. It wasn't their thoughts. It was God's thoughts, right? It was God's spirit moving on God's chosen vessels. And so prophecies are not, they're not normal messages. They are messages that come straight from the heart and the mind of God. Amen? Are y'all still tracking with me out there? So biblical prophecies come to prophets in various ways. They don't just come in one way. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Hebrews tells us God spoke to us through prophetic messages many times and in various ways. That means more than one. And so there are at least four ways biblical prophets prophesy or prophecies come to the prophets. The first one is prophets receive prophetic messages through writing. And in one one case in, in particular, remember when Moses received the Ten Commandments? How many of you know that was radical right there? God wrote, listen, God wrote the commandments on tablets of stone with his finger. That's what the Bible says. You think God can do that? Oh, I think he can, right? Exodus 31, 18, when the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant written by the finger of God. God gave Moses a prophetic message that was written on tablets, on stone tablets, by with his own finger. So the prophetic message is what is known as the Ten Commandments. Is the Ten Commandments still relevant today? Yes, they are. There will always be. Why? It's a message that came straight from the mind and the heart and the spirit of God. And he went to great lengths to make sure we got it. He wrote it on tablet stones to make sure Moses got the grammar correct. He got the words correct and he got the message correct. He said, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to write them on there. They're, they're very important. When you think about how it came to us, prophets received prophetic message through oral communication. God spoke to Isaiah concerning the name and the virgin birth of Jesus. Years before he was ever, he ever came to the earth. Isaiah 7, 13 says, Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Now, you know, they say, you know how you know whether a prophet is a prophet? If what he says comes to pass. So sometimes you got to wait around to see if a prophet is a prophet. You got to wait and see if it comes to pass, right? This was a prophecy given by Isaiah that was recorded and fulfilled hundreds of years later in the book of Matthew. You remember the story, Matthew chapter 1 and 22. And this and, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the, through the prophet. The virgin will be with child 
and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Isaiah saw this years before it ever happened. And by the way, a virgin will be with child. How crazy is that? It is crazy because only God can do that, right? You know, there are 353 recorded prophecies in the Bible given by prophets that were fulfilled by Jesus Christ. 353. Prophets also received messages through visions and dreams. And Acts chapter 19 is an example of God, of how God prophetically spoke through visions. In Acts 18.9, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching the word of God. Now notice in verse 9, one night the Lord spoke to Paul. How? In a vision. Paul received the guidance and instruction of the Lord through a prophetic vision. How many of you know sometimes God sends prophets' messages through visions? And by the way, will God, can God speak to us through visions? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember the time I had the vision while I was, you know, call it a dream, call it a vision. But I remember whenever I had the vision of Olivia drowning in that pool, which whenever Tanya and I were on the mission trip, she almost drowned. But the Lord had showed it to me before, and I, and I, I just was moved to intercede and to pray. But I believe God was giving me a message. God's message and instruction came to Paul through a prophetic vision. And then finally, prophets also received prophetic messages through the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. Remember in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, speaking of the Bible, and it says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I want you to notice, all scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed, that's important. The Bible is not like any other book. The Bible is God-breathed. Are y'all hearing me out there? God-breathed means the Holy Spirit directed the minds and hearts of the writers to write the messages that are in the Bible. It's not a normal book. The Bible is, is an assortment of prophetic messages given to various prophets and, 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 and prophetic gifts and authors that he used to give us the scripture that we have in our hand. And so, in fact, there's no other book in the entire world that contains fulfilled prophecies. There's some that prophesy, but they hadn't come to pass. This includes the sayings of Buddha, Confucius, the Quran, Hindu Virtus, the Book of Mormon. They do not, they do not contain prophecies that were fulfilled. The Bible is the only one. And the Bible contains hundreds of specific prophecies that have already been filled or fulfilled in the earth today. Amen? There's prophecies about towns, about cities, about nations, about empires, about political leaders, as well as prophecies about Jesus. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But, you know, we went to Israel and we got to see, we got to actually see the, the results, the remnants, the after effects of some of these prophecies and these prophets that prophesied things. And you go there now and you could see it happened exactly how they said it would happen. Isn't that incredible? Now, another most important aspect concerning prophecy 
is biblical prophecy reveals the future of his church and the world. In fact, the entire book of Revelation is a prophetic book. How many of you know that? That was written by the prophet John. John the Revelator understood by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he spoke about past, present, and future events that were going to take place. And so in Revelations 1.10, it says this. It was, it was on the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the Spirit. And suddenly, I heard a voice behind me, a voice like a trumpet blast. Now think about that. The voice was like a trumpet blast. It wasn't, you know, where you could barely hear it. It was like a trumpet blast. And it said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So John was instructed by the Lord to write in a book the message he was going to give him. Now, he was to send it to the seven churches that were established in Asia. In, in verse 19, he says, write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. That's a critical verse in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19. The prophetic message given to John was concerning past, present, and future events. And so in verse 19, he says, write down what you have seen. Well, if you just back up a little bit, he was to write down the vision he had just received in the previous verses concerning the Son of Man. He just had a vision of the Son of Man. And the Lord says, write that down. Concerning the present events, write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening. That was concerning the present events. He gave John explicit details concerning the spiritual condition of the seven established churches in Asia in chapter 2 and 3. Are y'all still with me out there? And then he spoke about concerning future events. In verse 19, he says, write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. That's future events. And so this is concerning the future of the church as well as the future of the world. It's prophetic. The rest of the book of Revelation from chapter 4 through chapter 22 is a prophetic message given to John concerning future events that have not yet taken place. You want to know what's going to happen in the future? Read Revelation. You say, but man, what, what does that mean? I don't know what it all means, but read it. And you're going to get an idea, right? So God revealed to John through a prophetic word what had happened, what was happening, and what was going to happen. The entire book of Revelation is a book of prophecy focusing on the past, present, and future. But primarily, the book of Revelation is, is a prophecy dealing with future events. So would you waste your time going to get your palm read? Going to get your card read? No, that's a spirit of another sort. You need to tap in the Holy Spirit. And you need to read his plan for man. Amen. It's right there, right there. It's all there. I don't need my poem read. I don't need my cards read. I know that my future is bright. Amen. In fact, listen, revelation, revelation means the unveiling or the disclosure. If I told you that I have in my hand God's plan for your life and your future, God's plan for the church and the future, if I told you that I have in my hand God's plan for the rest of the age of the world, how many of you would be interested? 
See, prophets and prophecy are of the unveiling of the plan of man. That's what revelation means. And God uses prophets and he uses prophecy to unveil it. And so that, so do you feel a little privileged that God would give you his plan for man? That you see, whenever you think about it, listen, is, is prophets important? Is prophecy important? You better believe it is. It's through the prophets and through prophecy that God's plan is revealed to mankind. And so now let's, let's, let's kind of wrap it up here with the third question. Why are prophets and prophecy so important to us today? Well, number one, I, I'm going to give you five reasons. There's many more, but I just, you know, just, I think you probably want to go to lunch. So I'm just going to give you five, right? So one reason is there is a promised blessing to all those who know and obey his prophecy. That's what Revelation 1, verse 3 says. Look at it there. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. Now, did you catch that? The more we read, the more we listen, the more we learn, and the more we obey his prophetic instruction, the more blessed we'll be. How many of you want to be blessed? In Revelation 22, 7, it says this, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. And so I don't know about you, but when God tells me specifically how to get a blessing in my life, I want to get in on that blessing. Amen. And so blessings come to those who pay attention to the prophetic voices and messages from God. See why we need to be open to it? And we can't let the crazies turn us off to it? Are y'all with me out there? Because there's a blessing. There's a blessing associated with it. And so the more we understand God, the way God laid out God's plan for man, the more we understand what's going on, right? So here's the second, here's the second benefit of, of, of knowing, the importance of knowing prophecy and, and the prophetic utterances of God. Prophets and prophecy helps us to understand what's going on in the world today. In Amos 3, 7, it says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. Now, this is what God's telling us. I'm not going to do anything without letting you know what I'm going to do. I am going to tell my prophets what I'm going to do so you, you're not in the dark. Amen? The prophets of God are those that were chosen by God to reveal his future plans for the church and the world. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. And so what, what Deuteronomy 29 and 29 is saying, prophets and prophecy serve us, the church, to tell us the secret things that God wants us to know. You know, whenever, I will tell Tanya secrets that I won't tell you. That I'll never tell you. 
She'll have to tell you if you want to know, right? Because of our relationship. See, God shares secrets with his close companions, with those that are in relationship with him. Are y'all with me out there? There are mysteries. He's got mysteries. He's got secrets that he reveals to those that are in close relationship with him. Amen? And so things, he says, prophets and prophecies serve the church to tell us secret things that God wants us to know. Things that he is currently doing and things that he is going to do that those outside the church know nothing about. And so prophets and prophecy prepare us for what's ahead in the world. Amen. I'm just getting this visual right now. You know, you can get those, uh, those, what is it, 4D virtual reality things? Have you ever seen that? People put those things on and they jump off the chair and stuff because they think what they're seeing is really happening. And then, you know, you can buy these 4D TVs and you can see it like, like you right there. Like, you know, people are stepping right off the TV, right into your lap and stuff like that. Spiritually speaking, God lets us see 4D. He lets us see virtual reality through the Spirit. And you see, whenever you watch the news, whenever you hear about what's going on in the world, you don't have to see what's going on in the world. You know, right now they got all these fires in California, and they're calling it holy fire. Well, if you know anything about prophecy, you know that, well, that's, you know, there's going to be more fires. Come on, are y'all with me out there? And so you don't see the news the way that you used to because you have the background and the backdrop of knowing what God's plan is. Amen? Isn't that exciting, saints of God? And so listen, prophets and prophecy also help us to understand current events. We're going to talk more about that next week. But the Bible contains detailed prophecies about the end times. And there's just no way that you could fully understand current events and what's going on in the world today apart from these biblical prophecies. So listen, prophecies, prophets help frame our worldview. It helps frame this world that we live in. I'm getting excited talking about it. Amen. I feel like I'm so privileged that God called me into his kingdom. What about you? Amen. Wow. Matthew 24, 32. It says, now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. So in other words, the Lord says, I'm not just going to show up at your door and knock and say, I'm here. I'm going to send you a text message. <laughs> through, through my word, amen. I'm going to give you some signs. I'm going to let you know I'm coming, right? And so you can make sure that you have your underwear on whenever the Lord comes back. You know, I don't know if you were like that. Mama wouldn't let me leave the house, you know, with dirty underwear. You might get in a wreck and they're going to see your dirty underwear. Change them underwear. Get clean underwear. No holes in them underwear. Come on. The Lord don't want, to, want us to be caught with our underwears torn. Amen. He wants us to be ready when he comes back. Amen. He wants us to be ready for his arrival. Amen. Biblical prophecies. I, I don't know where. I, I just, I'll blame that on the Lord, okay? Probably could have had a better example. I don't know, but 
But there it is. There it is, right? <laughs> really tight underwear? Like, <laughs> prophets and prophesying, you're talking about underwear? <laughs> Where was I? Current events, current events. We can know about current events. Amen. Amen. Let me just say this. You know, concerning current events. You know, there, there are current events happening that are being are, are the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. You see, whenever you see the news, you wouldn't know that unless you know the Bible. Unless you've learned about it. See, that's why I want to just, you know, I know this is very basic, but I'm basic. I'm simple. I just need the cookies on the shelf where I can grab them. Amen? So biblical prophecies help us understand current events. Number four, that the ministry of prophets and prophecy helps us to live godly and sober lives. 2 Peter 3.10 says this, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Can you Do you get the message? He's saying, listen, this world that we know, it's not going to be here forever. One day it's going to burn up. And he said, the day of the Lord is going to come unexpectedly. And so what manner, what, what holy and godly lives should you live? And then verse 14, he says, and so dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. See, listen, this helps me to live prophecy and prof prophets and prophecy help me to be motivated to live a godly life. Why? Because I don't know when he's coming. I won't get a text message. I won't get a chance to change my underwear. If they dirty, they dirty. Right? If my soul is dirty, it's dirty. If I'm in rebellion, I'm in rebellion. If I'm living ungodly and he comes back, I don't want him to come back and me not living a sober, godly life. So listen, I don't need you to pump me up and ask me to not get caught up in the things of the world, the trappings of the world, and the sin of the world, I have a motivation called the Word of God that tells me one day, one time, the trumpet is going to sound, the Lord is going to return, and I want to be ready. What about you? I want to be ready. What about you? God's prophetic warnings should motivate us to live upright and pure lives before God. Amen. Amen. Right, and then in conclusion, prophets and prophecy help motivate us 
to prepare for eternity. There's a heaven to live for. There's a heaven to lose. There's an eternity that we have to face. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? And so in Romans 15, 4, it says this, In everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. We might have hope. See, God doesn't want any of us to live our lives without hope. Everything was written in the Scripture. Romans 15, 4 says, including prophecy. It was written not to scare us, to teach us and to give us hope. Do you feel hope? I hope you feel hope today with a little bit of soberness. Amen. Maybe with a little bit of conviction. But at the end of the day, we got to have hope. We're motivated with hope. Amen. So listen, we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live with uncertainty about our future. And about the future of the world. I can tell you what's going to happen to the world. It's going to burn up. It's going to burn up. Eventually, it's going to burn up. That's what the Bible tells me, right? And so listen, God has a plan for man. And he's got a plan for you. And it's a very good plan. Amen? He's got a very good plan for us. And when you know it, you know the plan of God for man, whenever it finally gets uncovered, bless the Lord, you're motivated to serve the living God, and you don't need your mama to tell you to serve God, or your daddy to serve to tell you to serve God, or your grandma to tell you to serve God. You have a motivation that comes from the inside of you. And you know that one day that the trumpet is going to sound and he's going to come back and you can't wait to get to meet with him. Amen. Come on. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Come on, do me a favor and stand with me this morning. Are you ready? You know, whenever Jesus was getting ready to, uh, to be crucified, he was about to get separated from his disciples. And they were very discouraged. They felt hopeless. And Jesus spoke words to infuse them with hope. And the words that he spoke to them to infuse them with hope was in John chapter 14. In verse 1, Jesus said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Can I tell you, can I speak those words over you this morning? Concerning your future, concerning your life. Don't let your heart be troubled. And here's the reason why. Trust in God. Trust also in me. This is Jesus speaking. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm not going to lie to you. I am going there to prepare a place for, a place for, a place for you and me and everybody, right? And listen, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. And take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. What do you think he's talking about here, gang? You know the way to, to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, 
I am the truth and the life. Listen, no one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was pretty narrow-minded. He was pretty closed-minded. He said, only through me can you get to heaven. Only through me can you get spared from the wrath to come. Not through Muhammad, not through Buddha, not through anybody but me, he said. But Jesus, aren't there many ways? He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one, no one comes to the Father but through me. There's one that was resurrected. There was one that came out of the grave. There was one that died on the cross. There was one that shed his innocent blood. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus died so we all could make it. Amen. We, Jesus died so we could all make it into our eternal home. Amen. Prophets of prophecy. Give me hope. Do me a favor. Would you just bow your head with me for just a second? I don't know where you are today. Spiritually speaking, I don't know if you prepared. Jesus told many stories about preparing. And he said there were some virgins and some had lamps. And some of them didn't worry about filling their lamps with oil. When the bride came, they didn't have any lamps. Or for the bridegroom, they didn't have any oil in their lamps. They weren't prepared. Jesus said, when you see the fig tree budding, you know the time is near. Get ready. Be ready. Stay ready. The Lord wants us all to be ready. So that whenever, whether it's five five days, five weeks, five months, five years, 50 years, we're ready. We're ready because all of us, one day we're going to breathe our last and we're going to leave this earth and we need to be ready to meet our maker. Maybe you're here today and you're not ready. The Lord wants you to be ready. And the Bible tells us that to all who receive him, to them, he gives the right to become children of God. You just have to believe it. You have to receive it. You have to open up your heart and your spirit. You might be here today and you're not a Christian. You're not saved. You're not born again. And you know it. that you, you, You're not sure that you're right with God. But today you're ready. You're ready. You're ready. You want to get ready. You want to get ready for anything that comes. And you say, Todd, would you pray for me today? I, I want to make sure that I'm a Christian and that when I die, I get to go to heaven. If that's you, would you just lift your hand so I can see and I want to pray for you. I see your hand. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Anywhere else, I see your hand right over here. Just hold it high. Don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful right over here. I see your hand. This is nothing to be ashamed or be bashful about. This is the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, those that have raised your hand, we're all going to pray together. Let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood that my sins could be forgiven. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving me hope that if I repent, that if I turn from my sinful ways, and if I turn to you and surrender to you, that you would forgive me and cleanse me and grant me eternal life. Lord Jesus, I pray that today that you would fill me with your power. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your hope that I might live the Christian life. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me this hope. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. 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 Those of you that those of you that raised your hand, there's a card in the pew that says I made a decision. 
We won't harass you or anything, but we do want to give you a Bible and just some tools to help you start learning and growing as a new child of God. If you'll just fill out that card and bring it to the lobby uh, and into the info center there, uh, they're going to they're gonna give you that information. We just ask you to fill that card so we can pray for you. How many of you are coming out Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday? Uh, evening, we're going to fast and we're going to pray. We're going to seek the Lord and we're going to pray for God to move in our midst, move in our families, our lives, give us breakthroughs and grant us greater favor than we've ever experienced before. Amen. How many of you are glad that you're a Christian this morning? How many of you are glad that God's got a plan for you? He's got a hope for you. Amen. I want to pray a blessing over you as we dismiss. Father in heaven, I pray the favor of God. I pray the blessing of the Lord. I pray the grace of God on every family, every home, every marriage, every child, every grandchild, every business. Lord, I pray right now, Father, that you would release your grace over this congregation. May the power and strength of God be released in a supernatural and in a miraculous way, I pray. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. If not, God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful day.